Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. What we try to do in the first part of the show is to explain to you what we're attempting to do and who is actually paying for it. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul. And what we're attempting to do is to convince you, the Idahoan, what it's like to be incarcerated and to come out of incarceration and blend back into community. We do that in several different ways, certainly, but one of those is to do this radio show, which we've been doing for almost six years now. Uh, we're very proud of that fact. If you'd like to go back to the archives, you can look them up on KBXL under Victor Overson and look up the archives. You'll see a litany of different shows who have uh, guests who have been in the studio here with me. We've got senators. We've got people who have just got out of incarceration. We've got all sorts of agencies who support us. Uh, we have people. We have one gentleman who's just about to go back into prison. Who taped the show right before he went back into prison. So, we're proud of it. It's a good body of work. If you're attempting to understand uh, the Department of Corrections here in here in the state of Idaho, check it out and let us know if we can be of help with that. In addition to that, we also do a PowerPoint presentation that we're happy to bring out to your church group, your service group. Uh, your community, whatever you would like for us to make that presentation. It's about a 20-minute presentation, and what they'll do is put the PowerPoint on, and then it is actually led by a returning citizen themselves, and what they do is then share their experience and explain the Department of Correction and how it works here in the state of Idaho. At the end of the show, I'm going to let you know how to get in touch with me, and uh, you have any questions along those lines, we'll be happy to help you with that. If you've been listening to me over the period of years, you know that certainly we've grown in terms of our support and in terms of our influence, we'd like to think, over the years. We now have two offices to greet people on their first day out of incarceration. The main office in Ada County is at 3217 West Overland Road. That's near Vista. And we do have an office in Canyon County, which is inside probation and parole at 3110 Cleveland Boulevard, Caldwell, Idaho. So... Those two locations are available to anyone as they're being released from incarceration, and we encourage everybody on their first day out of incarceration to stop at one of those sites. In addition, if you're listening to me in the desert now and you don't have a ride, nobody can pick you up, have your case manager send me an email and we'll pick you up and we'll take you around the first couple of days. Pretty much all those questions in addition to that can be kind of check out www.svdpid.org. And uh, click on reentry, and a lot of those that information is there. We're also in the point where it's cookies for corrections time. So if you're listening to my voice and you have not heard about cookies for corrections, go to the website and check it out. We're attempting to have cookies for corrections so people that uh, live out in the desert, which actually number about 6,000 people, we're all going to give them a bag of cookies this year. 
and we'll be able to say uh, Merry Christmas and God bless. So we're working on that goal. So if you want to help me with that, again, go to the website or at the end of the show, I'll let you know how to reach me. We're going to be right back with uh, two of our uh, with two people today, and I'm really proud to have met them and be able to work with them. And it's a great story, and we're going to share that in just a second. Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities, meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on earth. Compare that to the United States, 664 people per 100,000. Canada's 104 people per 100,000, and Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the need to change. Reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL 941 The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank. Okay, I've got two ladies who are actually in the St. Vincent de Paul family. I've got Sarah Deaton with me and Janine Galocally. Galocally. <laughs> I apologize. It's okay. And they are actually in the thrift store management at St. Vincent de Paul in the State Street store. And they are returning citizens themselves. So welcome, ladies. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having us, Mark. No, it's good. Uh, I was looking forward to it. Actually, both of you are in management at uh, the St. Vincent Park State State Street Store. I apologize. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to Boise and uh, St. Vincent Paul. Whichever one I want to go first. Uh, My name is Janine Glogley, and um, my background is... I'm originally from Boise, uh, moved to Twin Falls, lived there for about 19 years. I have become uh, an employee of St. Vincent and Paul 2021, starting from the dock, working just collecting donations, um, coming from East Boise Work Center, uh, having a serious addiction, um, going to the work center for 18 months, uh, got out on the extended furlough release. Um, Started working for the six months out on the dock, became a supervisor, and then was released from uh, the expanded furlough in July and became a store manager for St. Vincent de Paul on State Street. You know, that's so, that is so cool, too. I mean, uh, many people don't know that we have associations with the Department of Corrections in which, you know, she can come from the work center at East Boise when she says East Boise Work Center, that's the one that's out there by the old penitentiary. Correct. Correct. And so as you see that building that's out there, it's actually next to the old penitentiary and uh, what's the place they called? Uh, Botanical the, Gardens. Yeah, Botanical yeah. Gardens. So uh, most of the ladies who live out there all work in the community and they take buses. They go all kinds, different kinds of places. And uh, surprisingly, we're very happy to have uh, the association with that facility. And they come out. And so it's great that you came up and became quote-unquote management, right? Thank you, yes. Yeah, it's yes. been a great opportunity. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, okay, so how about you, Sarah? Tell me about uh, Sarah and how did Sarah get here? So actually, I'm from Ammon, Idaho. Well, uh, I've struggled with drug addiction on and off for 17 years of my life. Uh, most recently, I was up at Sicky for the year 21 through 22. And 
Uh, actually, you talking about those programs, um, the reentry programs of right. my first day out, actually, St. Vincent's picked me up. There you go, man. And they were just, it's an incredible program. They drove me around on my first few days out, um, helped me get to my job interview, helped me get to work, helped me get established. Um, I feel really, really blessed about that. It's just amazing. I've been working at St. Vincent's. I started as a driver back in March after about... Five months, I was promoted to the transportation manager. So now I'm running the trucks for the transportation department at St. Vincent's. It's a huge blessing. Um, it's just something that's really great to be a part of. Yeah, you, I, I can't say enough about how difficult the job that these guys have in terms of, uh, if you don't believe it, just going to take a look at what happens. I mean, it's got to be so difficult dealing with this pace and what we do and what I know their boss because I sit in on meetings with him once a week, and uh, it, it's just intense. I'm, I'm glad I don't work for Bobby, and you probably will hear that and be sick, but uh, he must be, a, he seems to be a real driver, right? Yeah, he is. And he really. He's a great boss, though. Yeah. Pushes and, and teaches. So that's Well, I think great. one of the things that, that I'm most proud of about being associated with St. Vincent Paul is the people who, are, who work for us and the people who stick with us, and Bobby's certainly one of those. He has a heart that you just cannot believe. And when he speaks of you and he's proud of you guys, he almost, he gets teary eyed. Mm -hmm. um, he's really a special sort of guy. So, but he does demand that you work for him and he doesn't. And the great thing about it is that he works just as hard as the other people do. You know, it's hard work, Mark, but honestly, it's a huge blessing. Uh, my favorite part of my job is getting to deal with our voucher program. Yep. Um, we do vouchers for anybody. You can call our helpline. Um, you can get help with furniture. You can get help with rent you can get help with clothing and household goods. Um, that's my favorite part is yep. getting to help people who are in need, getting to give back. So it's a, it's a lot of hard work, but it's rewarding mm. at the end of the day. Yeah, cool. My favorite part is working with people in the community and um, working with the um, ladies from East Boise, uh, working with people from drug court and people that are doing community service and volunteer work, um, being a good example of, um, showing them what can happen, staying uh, connected with the community and staying in recovery and just showing them that um, just with strive and strength that you can get through it and um, get over those humps. Let's, let's talk a little bit about recovery since um, both of you, you kind of been in the system, you've come out of the system. Uh, how do you work as hard as you do and then keep your Recovery is the priority and make that work. How does that work for you? How does that play out for you? Okay, so biggest thing I would say first is watch your surroundings. Um, it's all about what you surround yourself with. So surround yourself with people that are striving to meet a goal or striving to give back. Um, that's made all the difference in my life. I've been through the system four times, five times. I've been out to um, South Boise, SICI, PRC. And honestly, that's the, the biggest difference. Um, you surround yourself with good people and hold on to God with both hands. Just just strive for that because he's just waiting for you. Uh, his mercies are new every day. Yeah, that's true. Anything you want to add to that? Um, I know that just people, places, and things um, can always be a trigger. So just be mindful of where you put yourself and who you surround yourself with. I do agree having a strong faith and belief um, in Jesus Christ and and always be prepared for um, new adventures and just to have your head above water and you can get there for sure. Yeah. 
I think it, uh, I used to, um, I've been out of prison for 13 years, and I know that at the first I kind of downplayed that relationship. Mm-hmm. I knew that Jesus Christ was the person that put me there and got me sober because I could never be sober on my own. Um, but I kind of downplayed it. And in recent, I want to say the last five or six years, I've really anchored it around the relationship with Jesus Christ. And as you know, people flow through your store all the time, but they flow, they flow through my office every day. And you'll see these people, and you can almost see it. If that isn't there, that they're going to have a hard time. Mm-hmm. And they're really going to have a hard time with their sobriety, and they're going to have a hard time with parole. And uh, unless they really kind of surrender to that situation, it's really hard to... You want to be the example, you want to direct them in the way, but you can't do everything for them. Do, do you guys find that, or it is in your life, or the people you run around with? What about the people you work with? Is everybody's not, everybody certainly that works at St. Vincent de Paul is a, a believer. You, do you struggle with that kind of thing? With people that not believing? Or people that are of not Christians that say they aren't the easiest people to work with? I think the biggest thing is that people um, in general, when they're using, per se, or in the addiction mode, because it could be any type of addiction, uh, I think that people don't realize that there's a void in their heart that they're trying to fill with some type of substance or any type of an addiction. And that void is actually needing to have Jesus Christ in your heart. So I think that when you're working with the public and you can see or feel um, the illuminating light that Jesus brought to me, or you could bring out in other people. I think just having that light and that uh, that sensitive, compassionate heart, um, hopefully, plants a seed in someone else and helps guide them. So, what? Go ahead. You want to add that? Oh, all I was going to say is I think that's why it's so important. Uh, programs like reentry, we just need to remember to show that love, that Christ-like love to people. Um, because I know me entering, re-entering society, going through my drug addiction, like, um, so a lot of the people that are closest to us back off because of the things we put them through. But so you almost feel isolated. You feel alone. You feel like nobody cares. You don't feel like you're worthy. And, um, you just have to remember, like you are a child of your heavenly father and he does love you and you deserve good things and he will give you good things, but you have to make that choice. You have to make it. You have to believe in that choice and that promise that he's offering you so that you can move forward with your life. And I almost think, too, all the, at least in my life, it's been the people who was were put off by certainly my actions, which were not healthy and productive or good for anyone. Uh, it did take a while for people to come back. And some ways, I'm, like I said, not 13 years, and it's finally to this spot where my 29-year-old daughter actually likes being around me. So it takes a while to get all that kind of stuff back in yeah. terms of trust. Yeah, that trust is built mm-hmm. back because, you know, legitimately she can say I ruined her upper middle class lifestyle by, you know, being gone for seven years. Mm-hmm. So um, she's that's a legitimate beef. And so she held it against me for a long period of time. Talk, talk about how you came to that spot. Is that something you guys are comfortable talking about when you figured that out? I know everybody has a semi story, but some short snippet about how that happened for you guys i think just waking up just waking up and seeing everyone around me but not the ones that i wanted to have around me so you're always grouped with these with people um going through the same situation and your want your desire my want and desire to have a better life 
was brought more um, to light by seeing everyone around me suffering and pain and addiction. And so I just thought um, that this has got to be it because I'm not getting any younger. And, yeah. and I feel like my nine lives, I'm on my ninth life. So it's time to pull it together. So just walking and uh, waking up and watching everybody strive to, you know, to want something different and then actually doing something different is, is what matters. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's horrible because when you're stuck in that addictive mind state and mm-hmm. you're stuck in that world, it's almost like you can't separate yourself. It almost takes something big like going to prison mm-hmm. or being incarcerated. But to be honest, that didn't even work for me, Mark. I had to do it four times. Yeah, me too. Well, me too. I'm three. Yeah. And it's every single time, you know, even if I wanted to do good while I was gone, I would get out and I wasn't willing to do what it took. I wasn't willing to let go of all those, you know, you have to come to an acceptance that people are where they are and that God will find them in his own time. And all you can do is be a good example and God will find people in his time. And um, so I know for me, that was my big thing. I didn't want to leave. I have all these family mem- members that struggle with addiction, all these people I grew up with that struggle in addiction. So I would get back out. I'd want to do good. And then I'd fall right back into it. Um, people, places and things. Um, so I kind of just finally had to come to the terms where I wanted something more for my life and to realize that God will find those people in his. Mm-hmm. So all you can do is love those people, but move forward. And I had a brother, um, who recently passed away in IDOC and knowing that he spent the last six years of his life um, on fire for the Lord. And he would never have gotten there if he wouldn't have got, um, went back to prison. He would have died in drug use and run in again. And, and even though he passed away while he was incarcerated, he still found the Lord. And then we finally found the Lord. I think that's when the Lord took him home. So that was a big change for me. Yeah, I think that's uh, I've, um, uh, there's a gentleman who was real strong influence on me who was life without. And um, I could never understand why he was so happy. It was like, you know, what in the world? Mm-hmm. You're going to spend the rest of your life in here and you're all positive. But it was laying the seed for me to, uh, and he got transferred back to Wyoming because he, you know, he was a notorious kind of guy from out of Wyoming and he was spending like the first 25 years in Idaho and he's back over there now. But He's the same. I mean, it's just he was perfectly fine, content. And so I, I, you become envious of that contentment. It was like, what does this guy have that uh, I don't have? That It must be okay to check that sort of thing out. Yeah. I think he was really influential in my life. Yeah. You know, so it's, I think we all have to have those sort of people. And we all have to have that kind of situation where we said, it's like this aha moment where all of a sudden it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's good for your brother that that happened. Yeah. I mean, that's really positive. People wouldn't think, people would not look to that as a success kind of thing, but that's perfect. That's great. Well, he's free. Yeah, he is. That's cool. That's cool. And it does seem like we're in an era where the intensity, because I'm older, the intensity of fentanyl is an option out there that we're we're losing so many people weekly. I mean, in terms of coming up where there's another name or somebody that, gosh, I didn't know this and this person's been out and they're gone and they're gone and they're gone. How did you, I assume those are the same things happening in your life too, right? Yeah, actually. Um, so I just lost my cousin Adam this last weekend to a fentanyl mm-hmm. overdose. Um, and it's, it's just sad. It's scary out there right now, Mark. I just, um, yeah. People, you know, drugs aren't even what they were when I started using, yeah. you know, 17 years ago when I was just a kid. Um, it's killing people and it's scary 
because there's so much good in life and there's so much beauty, but people just get lost in that darkness. You well, know? I think they get lost in a the darkness. There, I, most of I know from my standpoint, I was afraid to try to reach out and figure out who I was, and I didn't want to think about that God thing. I just knew that I was a selfish, self-centered guy, and I had trouble dealing with that, so I wanted to numb that pain. And I think people get so wrapped up in numbing that thought, those, that thought process that it's real hard to stop and take a second look at that and say, well, maybe there is something that's better than me. So. Well, and you have to believe that you deserve better. Um, yeah. I know for me personally, I have my guilt. Um, so I lost my son when he was two. Uh, he's eight years old now. My sister's raising him. And I lived in that guilt, drugged myself over that guilt um, forever. And um, it finally came to, I don't know, this last time when I was in there, it clicked. Like killing myself over this situation is not making it any better. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not get to be what I was to him, what I could have been to him, but I can be something. I can be that example. I can show him that it's possible to overcome. Right. I know we're talking more and more and more from... Um with uh, the people down at the main office about the trauma of all the people who go through incarceration. And it's really, uh, we don't pay enough attention to it in terms of, and I bet you see that from coworkers as well as the people who we refer to you from uh, our office to come down there and get vouchers. I know that working with uh, women from East Boise, they come from uh, all different types of places and different types of traumas. Mm-hmm. So, um, being gentle with every situation is go ahead. Just okay. It's j- being gentle with each situation and, um, everybody's not the same. So you can't treat every single person the same. You have to realize that, that they are coming from a traumatic environment and, um, just being patient and working with them and being a light and being an inspiration on doing something different in your life will help them see that there is a chance of doing something different in their life. Yeah. And St. Vincent de Paul, it's been a huge change for me. Yeah, a huge blessing. Yes. Huge blessing. It's given us a whole new family, surrounded with people that care about our success, that believe in us. And uh, my goal is to be that to other people that come in now. That's a huge blessing of the position that we were given, um, that people was entrusted to us as now I want to help people the way I was helped by St. Vincent's. Right. I want to give them right. a family, show them that there's another way. Yeah. So. Well, I think, again, that's, that's really, I think, uh, one of the reasons I get up in the morning and I'm excited to go to work is the fact that uh, it's not work. I mean, I really, it's always different and I always get to do something different. And, you know, I get to run across people who I've seen before in the past, either they were incarcerated or aren't, but I get to work with community partners. And it's just, it's a very, very, very um an interesting and blessed place for me to be. I'll tell you that's exciting. So I think uh, a lot, um, sorry, I think a lot uh, about with the community, a lot of people don't know how to deal with people that are coming out from incarceration. Right. And so um, working, letting them uh, go out and work and be a part of a normal society, like through East Boise and mm-hmm. being, having a chance to work outside the gate. Mm-hmm. It helps uh, other people realize that they are human that they are there they are overcoming situations and giving them a second chance because i think st vincent's is all about second chances and helping people overcome the scare fright of uh recovery well i know that the director's plan totally is to do more and more and more of that uh in terms of going forward because it's so positive you know they're allowed to come out 
blend into the community and get on their feet and it gives the community a chance to see who they are and and them to have some finances as opposed to just walking out with nothing. And, those well, are the and it's so much better than just sitting there in prison the whole time. Oh, yeah. That's not solving anything or helping anybody. Um, I personally, so I was at Siki, um, PRC, and I got to do the work pro- projects program. Uh, I worked out at Zoroko's um, for the eight months I was there. And it was a huge blessing. I'm just so grateful to Lieutenant Seltzer and all the staff out there that yeah. has that program going. Um, you guys are amazing, yeah. and it yeah. does make a difference. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there are not... He's in the office. He's in the main office today. So, okay, listen, I this was a lot of fun, all the buzzing. That I assume <laughs> we'll fix the buzzing, and Andrew will fix that for us. Uh, but um, thank you so much for coming in, okay? Yeah, and thank we'll, you for having we'll us, We'll have to Mark. make sure we'll do it again. Yes. Okay, thank you. Through Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me Kept me locked in captivity have been broken by grace so free when he poured out his cleansing blood motivated by his great love give me faith i need to rise above and sing a song of how i've overcome i've got victory over sin bringing peace to the fight within give me strength i need to start again Okay, so like I said, it's really cool. You're out there walking around the track. These are stories that can um, certainly impact you as you're going forward. It's a really good spot to be. Uh, if you need to reach out to us and want to talk to me about anything, I'm pretty easy to reach. It's www.systemicchangeofidaho at id.com. You can write me an email. It's systemicchangeofidaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at Systemic Change of ID. Instagram at Systemic Change of ID. Man, you can even call us on the phone at area code 208-477-1006. Look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin. perfect sacrifice sufficient for me the blood of God to atone my sin you made your own you have set me free you alone have risen you alone have saved us you alone have rescued us from the grave glorious you reign now all creation cries out stone you
before.